I'm Joe Jacobson at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show in the build-up to a bumper Easter uh, fixture. There might be some puns uh, to come in the next hour. Or maybe not. Uh, we'll be having our uh, match debrief with Phil in a few moments' time. Uh, we'll also be uh, catching up with uh, a bit of a preview for you uh, for this week's edition of Knowing Me, Knowing Blues. And uh, yes, as you guessed it, uh, there will be a question about duck-sized bears and bear-sized ducks and the be- best approach. This, this might be a thing that's sort of set up maybe the end of the season. Perhaps we'll just get like in a sort of it's a knockout type thing. Uh, so, <laughs> some Wicked Wanderers players, some bears and some ducks and just see what happens. Uh, also coming up, we'll hear from the manager, Matt Bloomfield, of course, as we look ahead to uh, the Good Friday visit to his former club and prepare for the visit of Forest Green on Monday as well. We'll hear from the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association chairman, Alan Hutchison, as he prepares to uh, celebrate his 80th birthday, picking his all-time Wanderers 11. We'll catch up with Shante Innes as well, the Wickham Wanderers women's striker who's been at the club uh, for around a decade and... Nope, I think that's it. Uh, all that to come in the next hour, but uh, we kick off... Uh, with the words of Danny Sender summarising for us at Adams Park on Saturday uh, for that draw with MK Dons and uh, a real kind of uh, mixed emotions I guess at the end of the game Another two points dropped today Dan in their pursuit of the top six Listen, they started the half exactly how you would have hoped to with the goal going 2-1 up and you like to think there that you'd go on and take the game away from MK but then it it did, it started to to, it drifted into that bitty lacking momentum uh, couldn't find that urgency that was required to go and get that, that next goal and then MK were able to capitalise and it gets to 2-2 and then and then it swings and MK are the ones that then that, that are in the ascendancy then. Real, real shame. Um, it's going to be difficult, I believe, now to go and chase down that playoff pack and that's not to say that we, 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 we go away from it and give up. I mean, that's, that's not in Matty's makeup. That's not in the makeup of the players on the pitch but it's going to be a big challenge because these are the type of games that you really must, must, must win and pick up three points. Well Dan, it's been a joy to have you up in the commentary box today Calling the action on this one Full-time score then at Adams Park Wickham Wanderers 2, NK Dons 2 Danny Sender alongside Phil Catchpole At the uh, Bill Turnbull gantry on Saturday afternoon And uh, I'm very pleased to say uh, we can uh, get the thoughts of Phil uh, Looking back at that game And of course ahead to what's to come over the Easter break well, we're one point closer than we were to the top six and before kickoff. So you could say we've narrowed the gap. But I have to say, scoring twice at home and not beating a team like MK Dons in, in terms of their form of the whole season was a disappointing result, really. And because of the nature of the goals that we conceded, and they were soft goals, um, the early goal was preventable. Great response from Wickham to come from behind and, and take the lead with a, a David Wheeler brace. But the equaliser to go back to 2-2 was poor and, again, preventable, probably more so than the first one. So, yeah, that that's the bit that I found disappointing the most, really, because that really should have been three points and then we wouldn't be looking at a two-point gap. We'd be outside on goal difference. Big difference with only seven games to go. So, yeah, but obviously a point is better than none. Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, the home game, you'd expect to win that. Um, you'd want to win that and yeah that's where the disappointment came from it really but encouragement though with with the goals again and and, and another decent performance Um, although I think at 2-2 we looked a little panicked and a bit bereft of ideas moving forwards but I think Danny Sender made an excellent point on the commentary our co-coms on the day was that there will be a transition period between the managers of course there will be and he, he thought that some Wickham players may be referred to type a little bit 
in terms of the, the style of play um, under Gareth uh, to where we are with, with Matt Bloomfield and, and when the pressure was on in that last bit when it was a condensed tight game and maybe the fans getting a bit anxious as well that they started to go long again a bit a bit more often than they have been under under Matt. But yeah, I mean, that will come with time as well. But yeah, I think, you know, two points outside with seven games to go. Let's take the positives here. That's a really exciting position to be in as we go into the Easter weekend. But yeah, it's good to chat to Matt Bloomfield after the game as well. And you could probably hear the fact that he was disappointed in just the point two. I think uh, there's a mixture of uh, some pleasing bits, you know, to go 1-0 down and then show the character and some of the play that we produced um, to get our noses in front. You know, I thought we passed the ball really well at times. We carried a goal threat. I was really pleased with the composure we showed in those those middle areas to you know build our attacks at times. So really pleased to get two one up, and then obviously you know slightly disappointed with which the manner we gave the second goal away. I thought we give away in the middle of the park, then we see off the danger, and then another kind of scrappy little spell, and, and the ball's in the back of our net. So I think that's probably the the way the game sort of played itself out, and we have to be um, pleased with some of the bits and take them away and build on them, but make sure we tighten up in other areas. Uh, injuries hitting the squad as well at two-two, and Jem Campbell cramping up. Not a huge amount of attacking options on the bench. No, it's the situation we're in. You know, um, G Mac and Vokes missing, and Jordan Obita as well, who can um, do a left wing back role if we wanted to switch formation. So um, limits your options slightly. You know, we're really respectful of the young lads who are trying to make their way in the game. We're carrying, uh, not carrying. We, we, you know, we've got young boys on the bench. We've got TJ making his, you know, fourth start I believe today and, and, and Chem you know maybe a couple ahead of that so these boys are inexperienced and they're going to cramp up at times and um, you know it's obviously a big ask for them to keep going game after game so uh, that's the situation we're in there's no problem with that we're really pleased with the goal threat we carried for the majority of the game today and I thought Chem did really well in, in spells and TJ too so um, you know we had to kind of uh, have a little bit of a shake up and bring Jason McCarthy on in that right midfield role and um, you know Jace is obviously a big player for this football club you know he's he carries that personality and that drive so um yeah, I'm sure Chan will be fine to, to, to be ready for next week. It was an electric first half, a really absorbing first half. It flew by. First five minutes, uh, five, ten minutes, MK Don's on the front foot and then things changed, the momentum changed. Uh, what were the changes that were made from the bench? I think it was just about trying to calm us down a little bit. I thought that they really started on the front foot and we didn't, didn't quite get our shape right in terms of when we pressed and where to press and, and the balance off the ball. So um, we had to just try and fix that slightly. And I thought when we did, it gave us a real foothold to then get hold of the ball and, and, and pass it around. We felt really, you know, a lot more secure in our shape, and it just gave us that that little foothold to to get hold of the game and grab it a little bit and, and get our attacking players in. I think then Chem came alive a little bit, sort of ten fifteen minutes in. Suddenly he came alive, and we were able to get TJ on the ball as well, and, and Wingy and Joshy were able to um, kind of dictate play from the middle of the park, which is what we were looking to do. Um, so. Yeah, I think we just kind of got caught on the hop a little bit there in the first 10 minutes. I thought MK started, you know, really lively. Coming off the back of the good results they did, they obviously uh, were full of confidence. Um, we weathered that bit and then uh, obviously disappointed to, to concede. And then we got ourselves back in the game and, and eventually got ourselves in front. David Wheeler against his former club again. He's been there before, done it again, but two goals today and a good performance. Yeah, I thought Dave was great. Um, you know, we know the qualities he carries, you know, from a psychological side in terms of his selflessness for the team, um, his physical qualities and his real team ethic. And, and Dave carries that goal throughout. I think he always has, you know, at Exeter and in the time that he's been here, he's always, you know, found a goal. And I think he was, uh, he was great today, Dave, and I'm really, really pleased with the work he did. 
two points outside the playoffs with seven to go. Uh, so looking forwards, uh, it's a great position to be in, but a massive game on Friday against a club that you know fairly well. Of course, yeah, a game close to home for me and um, a club we know well. But, you know, that all needs to go to one side. It's just it's just a game for us. Um, we've got seven to go. We're two outside the playoffs and we're excited about um, what the next seven games could possibly bring for us. We have to prepare ourselves. Recovery starts right now. Preparation for Friday starts right now. It's obviously going to be a really busy spell of games and we need to make sure we're ready. And, you know, I'm really excited by, you know, the next seven seven games. Really proud and to be in this position of, of where we are. And we want to make sure we, we take this opportunity and, and keep grabbing it. And news from the physio room, two games coming up in, in the space of four days over Easter weekend. Any news on returning players? Well, we've got Gapy and, and Curtis Thompson have been back out on the grass. GMAC and, and Vokesy are working hard as well and they're not far away. We're looking forward to them. Jordan Obita as well, working hard in the gym. Obviously, we know we're a few players down at the minute on a thin squad, but yeah, we hope to work on them back as soon as possible. Um, but we have to be really mindful of the fact that the boys, that are, you know, we've got a real good squad of players and we're really proud of what the effort they're putting in at the minute and we have to keep working on that and, and we welcome those boys back when they're ready really good points uh, obviously from the manager and I guess uh, as you say hopefully what will turn out to be a really good point uh, going into this, this Easter period as well and we heard from David Wheeler before the game as well and it seemed, seemed really fitting that, that he got the two goals against his former club again yeah um, it often makes me wonder about that MK Dons fan who had that David Wheeler tattoo tequila tattoo when he was on loan at MK Dons and scored the goal that got them into League One and then I think a few months later David Wheeler scored the winner against MK Dons in a 3-2 win uh, at the start of that season. And then he, he, he scored two more yesterday. I, I often wondered whatever happened to that tattoo of that guy. But yeah, it often goes that way, doesn't it, when you, you score against your former former clubs. But he's, he's had a really good season, David Wheeler, not just in the goal-scoring sense, but in performance sense as well. And without Sam Vokes up top, his aerial threat is really vital to how we play, I think, at times as well. And yeah, really important couple of goals for him and a bit of confidence going into the weekend as well because uh, another couple of David Wheeler goals against Ipswich would be nice. He, he likes a goal against Ipswich as well. So if he can repeat the trick at Portman Road on Good Friday, then we'll all be very, very happy. But, you know, we spoke to him before the game and because he scored twice in the game, we spoke to him after the game as well. And always good to chat to Wheels. This, this this part of the season we're we're desperate for wins we need we need to keep winning and keep putting the pressure on those teams in the playoffs and and climb up in there at some point it definitely feels like two points drop for us i think we we would back ourselves to see those those games out very frustrated in in the manner that we conceded it and i think you know we brought some pressure unnecessary pressure on ourselves i think for large spells of the game we were the better team and you know very threatening from set pieces but we're we're closer to our target than what we were before the game so you've got to sort of take it with a pinch of salt as well the positive angle of looking at this is seven games to go two points outside the playoffs now and there's a bit of a bunch developing uh, Wickham have the know-how from last season is that going to play its part now between now and May? Yeah I mean it's it's going to be a very very tough ask but if you look at the way our season's gone we've constantly seemed to have been clobbered with injuries and and disruption throughout the season and we're still still hanging in there we're still we're still there thereabouts and you know we've got big players to come back as well which hopefully we'll see before the end but I do believe that we've got we've got the squad to do it we've got to believe that and uh, I think you know the performances generally are there it's just we need we need to be a bit bit more clinical in in both boxes. Well, you've got your two goals today, fifth and sixth of the season. So from a personal point of view, are you happy with that return so far? 
Yeah, I'm pleased. Yeah, it's my highest return since I've been at Wickham, which is which is definitely a positive for me. And obviously, looking to to add to that from now until the end of the season. Yeah, it's it's always fun scoring goals. It's always uh, it's always just what you, what I do, what I love to do, and I want to keep scoring more. On to Friday, Ipswich Town in great form. Uh, Portman Road's a big ground to go to as well, but it'll be very Wickham to go there and win. Yeah, I mean, when we when we got promoted, we went there and got a draw, and we were top of the league, and. I think you know we're well capable of getting a result there. It's just uh, I, I personally think it will be our toughest test of the season. I think of the teams we've played, I think Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich are the best teams we've played, and I think Ipswich are probably the best footballing team we've played. So it's going to be a really tough, tough test. And yeah, I think we've we've got to see it as a as a challenge rather than uh, something to fear. Always good to hear from David Wheeler, who does speak so well. And obviously before last week's game, we had the news that uh, Joe Jacobson will be with the club next season. And there's been some other uh, excellent uh, contract news as well this week. Yeah, the first one was Josh Gowen. I think really, really well received by the fans. And uh, it went out with the news of the season ticket prices as well, which are now available to buy from WWFC.com. And yeah, brilliant for Josh Gowen to be there um, next season. He was last season's Player of the Year. He swept all the awards. He's been magnificent again this season. And and we've really, really realised how great he is because there's been periods where we've been without inter-injury as well. And, and, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, as they say. Um, and, yeah, when he's not there, we really do miss him. But, yeah, fantastic news um, that he's going to be wearing the quarters next season. Uh, and then hot on the heels of that news was uh, Jack Grimmer and David Wheeler signing for next season as well, um, you know, to go along with Joe Jacobson's announcement um, at the sponsor's dinner last week too, that he's he's also around. So, yeah, things are looking good for next season. I like the way the club get the business done early. And, you know, it's been really lovely to see the positive reactions online. Um, and, yeah, I have remembered some of the stuff I've read this week online saying, oh, this is like a new signing having Josh Gurn. So um, I'll be interested to see if those same people are then in four months' time saying, why haven't we made any new signings in the summer uh, like they did last year? Um, yeah, Josh Gurn, great signing. Um, and, you know, as are the others, Grimmer and Wheeler as well, been been really good and good to see their good form um, rewarded with a, with a contract for next season too. So, yeah, good signs. No, definitely. And all, all, all of those have had, had really good seasons, especially this season, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's not just on the pitch as well. I think the likes of Jack Grimmer and David Wheeler, have, I think, have been, been some of the senior players or now the senior players that have stepped up into some of that space left by Akinfemma and Stockdale uh, in terms of their leadership off the pitch, their characters that shape the, the squad and, and the younger players as well. And I think... Um, Really important that, you know, again, alongside Joe Jacobson, um, you know, Josh Goen, uh, not quite so vocal, but, you know, in terms of his, his style of play and his attitude to the game, you know, these are, these are, these are the, the new breed of generals, the new leaders at Wickham Wanderers. Um, and it's great to have them there. So lots to look forward to uh, over this Easter weekend, of course. Uh, we've got a home game on Monday, uh, but a good Friday trip to, to Ipswich, which uh, obviously you, know, you only have to look at the, the table, how, many, uh, how few games that they've lost, uh, but also obviously the, the connection with the manager as well. Yeah, but an emotional one for Matt Bloomfield, definitely, and, and probably more so for his family, because I think the gaffer has said that you know he's got to strip all the emotion out of this and, and just concentrate on getting something out of this game for Wickham Wanderers. But yeah, seven straight victories for Ipswich, uh, eight clean sheets on the bounce as well. Um, and I've, I've done a couple of um, bits of media for, for the Ipswich press this week, and they've all been saying, oh, are you scared? And uh, obviously, yeah, a daunting record, but 
you have to then spin that round and think, well, these records have to come to an end at some point. Um, there's not many teams that can go sort of eight wins or nine games without conceding a goal or eight games, consecutive wins. So, yeah, so you have to take hope and think, well, the run has to come to an end and who better to make that come to an end than Wickham Wanderers. We beat them at Adams Park in, in December you know, against the odds and it kind of preempted a little bit of a wobble for them as well. They made huge changes in January, lots of comings and goings in January. They're, they're not shy when it comes to spending money in the transfer windows and they had a bit of a wobble. They lost a bit of momentum, but um, they've got it together again now and their run is fantastic and they've put themselves in a really, really good position to get automatic promotion when uh, a lot of the pundits were saying, you know, four or five weeks ago that that wasn't going to be possible now. So a bit like last Saturday's game against MK Dons, they really want the three points as well as we do. They want to go up. We want to get into the top six. Um, Someone's got to give. But yeah, it's two games over you know, a period of four days. Um, I think from a Wickham point of view, I don't think the Friday result defines the season. Um, I think if you can get something from, from Ipswich uh, and back that up with a, a win at home against Forest Green, which I think is a must-win game because of where Forest Green are. Um, and then we look at Morecambe and Cambridge again, teams down the bottom end who are, who are fighting. We, we can maybe start to put a run together. The manager's spoken about how the performances are there and you know they've not been clinical enough at times, but they're creating and, and they're playing well and he feels that the, the results will come. I agree with him and you know, but where we are at this stage of the season, it needs to happen quickly. So yeah, so fingers crossed over the weekend we can start that run. But yeah, Ipswich Town, Portman Road, it's going to be packed. That's going to be a great atmosphere. They're going to be looking to avenge that 1-0 defeat to us in December. And it's a high-stakes game. This is exactly what we're in it for, you know. know, This is much better than being sat in mid-table thinking about next season already. So, um, yeah, this is what we live for. Fingers crossed it's a good game and we make make a good account of ourselves. Absolutely. And I remember the previous manager saying, you know, it felt special to, to lead his team out against a former club. And obviously he had quite a few former clubs. When, when the current manager, his, his only former club, is, is the one that we're facing, that must be extra special. Yeah, you know, he was so proud to make his one appearance for, for his boyhood team, Ipswich Town. But, you know, he's played against them. He's, he's even been in the dugout against them as well, because I think Gareth Ainsworth was, had a COVID test, a positive COVID test um, uh, when we were there once, uh, over Christmas, I think, once when so... Um, Matt and, and Richard Dobson took the team that day. So, yeah, so he's got experience of it, weirdly, but obviously now it's, it's his job, cut and dry, which makes it slightly more official and a bit different. But, yeah, he's always going to, you know, love walking out of Portman Road. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, and, and, yeah, another, as I say, another great day for his family. And I really, really hope a great day for Matt Bloomfield because if he's had a great day, that means that Wickham have won and then we've all had a good day. And as you say, it'd be really interesting to see where we are in terms of points after these two games. Yeah, exactly that, because um, there's been some stuttering at the top of the table uh, and in the top six as well. Um, so, yeah, it's all there to play for now. Um, but, yeah, the, these these are the games now. Um, I think the Forest Green game on the Monday is a, r- a real key game um, for us in the running. And, obviously, when things are mathematically possible, anything is possible then and, and you keep going. But I think a, a decent win on Monday can really set us up for the running. And uh, I really hope we go into that game on Monday really high as a kite, having shots the football world on Friday by bringing Ipswich Town to a crushing halt in their run as well. well it's been a real pleasure to have you on, as always. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the games and happy Easter. 
And to you too, Colin. Happy Easter. And don't forget you can hear those uh, chats with uh, the manager, Matt Bloomfield, and David Wheeler in full on Wanderers TV. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield looking ahead to the Easter fixtures. We'll hear from Wickham Wanderers women striker Shantae Innes. And we'll preview Knowing Me, Knowing Blues uh, with TJ Debar. Uh, find out, uh, among other things, uh, what he likes to do away from football. I don't know why that's funny. Uh, but first, if you're a regular listener to the show, you'll know that uh, we have a uh, very close uh, connection to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association. I'm very pleased to say we can chat to their chairman, Alan Hutchinson, who next week will be celebrating his 80th birthday. And to uh, commemorate the occasion, uh, he's picked for us uh, his uh, all-time Wanderers 11. Thank you very much indeed for joining us and happy birthday for next week. You don't sound as old as 80. Are you there, sir? Hello, hello, sorry, I didn't write, <laughs> you should finish, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> you don't sound as old as 80, are you sure, are you sure you're, you're as old as that? Well, I know, it does, it's remarkable, really. <laughs> I, every time I see people in, in the village, they say, oh, I haven't seen you for ages, how old are you now? So I'm nearly <laughs> eight, what? Well, I mean, I said, well, I might not look like it, I said, but I certainly feel like <laughs> it. <laughs> and obviously being connected with, with the club for such a long time, and it, it must feel like, you know, every decade that goes past, there's, 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 so many players that stand out. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, there are. Um, but tonight, I'm going to go through um, a team uh, that I work with very closely when I had, when I had the honour of working with Martin O'Neill, um, somebody I got on very well with, and we're still in touch now to this day. And, uh, you know, it, it was just a, a fantastic time with lots of terrific memories and I thought, well, this is this is what I've got to do, is go back to the memories and hinch them all with a team. So let's start with the goalkeeper. Uh, Martin Taylor. Now, he, was, he didn't play when Martin was around because he arrived when John Gregory was the manager. But I've gone for Martin because he was exceptional, absolutely exceptional. Um, he played for Southend United regularly and then received a serious injury in a match that looked as if he would never play again. But uh, he managed to recover, but not enough to play at that level that Southend were in at the time. And so John decided to sign him, because they knew each other when they were players. And so we signed him, and he arrived at Wickham in the late 90s, and played light through to the early 2000s. But my goodness me, he was a superb goalkeeper. And I thought, well, I can't leave him out. He's got to be the number one. And goalkeepers are often renowned for having great characters as well. Mm. That's right. Um, He was terrific with the rest of the team. Um, You know, if he wanted to speak to the back line, he would. Uh, He'd he'd say, you know, if you're going to do this, I shall say that. If you're going to do something else, I'll say that. If I'm coming out, you know, you just do as I say. And it worked really well because... Everybody knew what was happening, you see. And it was good. And not many goalkeepers have scored goals either. No, that's right. They haven't. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Yeah, but uh, all that aside, you know, he was just a terrific fella and um, a very, very good keeper. So you've gone for three defenders in, in your yeah, formation? Yeah, I've gone for three. And again, this is the O'Neill era, really, because the, the, the two of them, um, as Jason Cousins at right back and Terry Evans in the centre 
played together at Brentford. And there's a nice little story here because he, Martin had already signed Terry Evans. He hadn't joined the club and he wasn't going to join the club for a few weeks because he'd had a serious injury, recovered okay, but couldn't get back in the team. And he wasn't very happy about the way things were going. And Martin found out about that, so he made an offer for him. So Brentford said, yeah, OK, uh, you can have him. <laughs> um, and then one day, out of the blue, he said to me, oh, he said, do you fancy coming to uh, Brentford with me today? So I said, yeah, yeah. He said, only I've just discovered there's a reserve game on. And it's going on this afternoon, about two o'clock. And it was about Tuesday. It was on a Tuesday, I think. And he said, I thought we'd go along, he said, because the big fellow's going to play. So I said, oh, he said, yeah, Terry Evans. I said, oh, right, okay. So um, along we went. And it had been going 20 minutes. And I said to him, Martin, like the right back, he looks terrific to me. Yes, so do I, actually. He said, yes, so do I. Go and find out who he is. And And so I left him watching the game. And I went off to speak to people behind the scenes at Brentford. They said, oh, he's 18-year-old Jason Cousins. He hasn't been with us very long. But he looks as if he's going to be a real prospect. Anyway, once the game had finished, Martin went down to talk to the guys behind the scenes and, uh, you know, decided that um, he'd try and sign him. And a few weeks went by, and then finally Jason rang up to say, yes, I'd like to join. He said, because Big Terry tells me things are going to be good. He said, so uh, I'd like to be with him again. So we signed Jason Cousins. And, God, he was a, he was a terrific fullback. And because he played with Terry Evans, the big advantage was when we were really pressing hard, he could go down the front and he'd supply a great ball into the box, which the big fella would get on the end of and put it in the back of the net. Because that was the big advantage with Terry. Six foot four, he was a terrific defender at the back, but he was also very dangerous in the opposition's uh, goal mouth. Because once he put his head on a ball, it went like a rocket. And when he used to clear headers out of our own box, it went almost to the halfway line which was quite ridiculous, really. But that's the kind of power he had. It was just terrific. And uh, then I've got Glyn Creaser on the left-hand side, a superb defender, very good touch with the ball, passed it well, and again, uh, liked a strong challenge. And so that was a super back three, really, for me. So that's the three I've gone for. And you've gone for four in midfield. I get, was this the area that was perhaps the trickiest to, to nail down? Well... Yes, it was, but you see, they're all such good players. And what I did, I've got a player in there that was also a very good defender. So if we needed to go four at the back with this team, that was easy. It starts off with Dave Carroll on the right-hand side. What a player. Um, He was great on the ball. He could pass really well. If the ball got in front of goal, Bosch, it was in the back of the net. He could cross it. He was just an all-round super player. Um... In the centre, Keith Ryan, a great talent. Um, he played really well. He, again, was good in organising the back four with telling them where he, they should go and what they should do when things were happening. And in that way, they could drop uh, Brownie back at the back if he needed to. He'd drop into the, the back three because he played at left back or he could play in the left or centre. But um, in the midfield, he was also a very good player. And on the left-hand side, we had Steve Guppy, who was, again, an outstanding player. Really was quick, fantastic left foot. And again, the brilliance with him is that in the midfield, he was a powerhouse. 
because they were terrified every time the ball went to him because they knew something was going to happen. So what would happen with the front three, the one who's playing on the right-hand side would drop inside and Guts would just come down the left-hand side. So all of a sudden, you'd got four at the front, all people that could put the ball in the back of the net. So the thing works very, very well. Is that the four? Yeah, that's four. Dave Carroll. Yep. Keith Ryan. Yep. Steve Brown. Oh, Steve Brown, yes. Yeah, Steve Brown and Steve Guppy. That's them. So we've got three up front as well. Again, it m- m- must be quite tricky to kind of to narrow down your, your three attackers. Well, it is because all of them could play at centre forward and put the ball in the net. But what I've done, I've, I've got um, Mark West on the right wing, which he used to play at anyway at times. And again, he was really good at getting past attackers. He was good at playing the ball into the midfield and creating space for him to receive it again, which would then go immediately into the box. Or he would either run into the box with the ball. And that's when he was very dangerous, because no one knew whether he was going to shoot or pass it. And it caused all kinds of chaos. But no, terrific stuff. (coughs) Excuse me. And then on the left-hand side, I've got Simon Garner, who again, superb player. Absolutely superb. Played for Blackburn Rovers and and won the, the old First Division Championship title with them. And uh, what some player he really was. Um, and again, somebody who could move into the centre and scored any amount of goals for the club. Terrific. But the one person I've got a centre forward, which is quite interesting, because I've gone for somebody out of the area, era, era sorry, that um, I've watched the games, but I didn't know many of the players. And I certainly didn't meet... Um, uh, 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 the manager I, I knew him very well as a person but of course I never got to work with him like I did with O'Neill and that was Gareth Ainsworth uh, who's done a wonderful job in the, in the, you know, in, in the 10 years he was there and there's no doubt that they say that he's now the best manager the club have ever had and I don't disagree with that with Martin now who was at number one is now number two but luckily I, I was very close to Martin and when we went away, I travelled on the team bus. I stayed overnight in the hotels. So I really got very close to everybody. And so I know all of these people very well. But what I've done is I've put uh, Adi Beowak and Fenwa at centre forward because his ability in front of goal was absolutely outstanding. Whether he hit it with either foot, both feet, he could really kick well with both feet, or on the, when the ball was put onto his head, I could often see three or four, well, no, mainly two or three defenders trying to get all around him and keep him out. But he just, he just knock them away. He just knock them, move them away, and when the ball come in, bump, he hit it, and that'd be a goal. <laughs> so, is there anyone who's just missed out from your selection? That we, we, we could, we have them as substitutes, perhaps. Oh, I haven't got any substitutes. No. No, but I just wondered if anyone had uh, sort of just missed out on your on your team. Was no, there anyone there's that? Oh, excellent. They, 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 they were all first choice. That's 11. I mean, you see, I've got back three, four in midfield, and three up front. Yes. But was right. there anybody who, who you could have put in and you had to sort of deliberate quite a lot over? Well, yes. I mean, um, I suppose Keith Scott was somebody one I could, I could have put in. But I just preferred Simon Garner, mainly with his pace and his touch on the ball and everything that he could, his ability, all-round ability. Um... Yeah, you know, it's very, very difficult when you're doing something like this because you do get a list of 
players and you have to go through them and, and look to see what you can do. But, um, yeah, I mean, Keith Scott could have played up front because that's what he used to do. Is he used to play up front. But I thought Akin Fenn was a bit special. He's somebody that I, I like very much. No, absolutely. And as you mentioned, your, your relationship with the manager, uh, Martin O'Neill, of course, someone who you very much enjoy working alongside. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we didn't get on very well at first. It was quite unusual. He joined the club and I was trying to help him, but he, he thought, he had the opinion I was trying to run it, which I wasn't, but he, uh, you know, and we didn't get on too well. And suddenly his lovely wife, Geraldine, after a few weeks, came up to me and she said, I won't do. I won't, give, I won't do it with the Irish accent because. <laughs> but she <laughs> says to me, Hutch. Uh, she said, just let him get on with it. Just let him get on with it. She said he likes to do things on his own, which is fine. But he said, suddenly something will happen. He needs your help. And he said he'll come to ask you, and he'll come to want to speak to you about it. He said you let him do all that, and once you do that, and if you do it well, he said he'll trust you, and fr- and then from fr- from then on. She said, you'll really well be able to work together really well. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly I think that, what happened. That's something that really stands out as well. Obviously, all these people, you know, not just players and their footballing ability, but as people as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we had so many terrific people at the football club, people that I enjoyed working with. And, um, I mean, I'm still friends with a lot of them today. Whenever I go to the club and we have an event, like with the ex-players, for example, that really is great all of our events are good we have um our bowls day well we got had our quiz recently well, that was a great quiz night which is run by uh, uh, uh keith um john sorry john maskell and vince faulkner they run it um and it's absolutely superb and it was wonderful um and we everybody meets up and they now you know get to talk to each other and players that never even played with each other are now good friends because they both played for Wickham Wanderers. So, you know, they now become friends. And it's that's, that's what's really good about the Ex-Players Association is because there are so many now. We had well over 100 at one time, but we've now got, I think it's about 98, which is still not, not bad. We lost a few in COVID, obviously, people that passed away. But, um, and of course, very, very sadly, the other day, I couldn't believe it when I heard it because he was a good friend. We lost Bobby Dell at the age of 64, which was uh, just dreadful, absolutely dreadful. But there you are, these things do happen. But uh, it's so good that, you know, people that didn't actually play together but are good mates, and um, and they meet up there. We, we have the Bowls Day, which we uh, that goes on down in June at uh, Chestnut Avenue, the Bowls Club at Chestnut Avenue, and that, again, is very, very successful. And then we have our golf day. Well, normally at Winter Hill, but we can't hold it at Winter Hill this year because they're selling the club and it's closing down. So uh, we've transferred to Maidenhead this this year. So we're going to be having the golf day at Maidenhead. But again, yeah, it's, a, it's a terrific event. And then, of course, the annual dinner, which is really, that's a, a real big one, which we hold in November. So those four major events keep the players together and different players come to different events because not everybody likes bowls, not everybody likes uh, um, uh, quizzing and stuff like that. So uh, we get all these different faces turning up, and there are a few that come to everything. But um, it's usually a different group for all the events we, 
we hold, and uh, it's really great. Well, it's been a real John pleasure. Taylor, John Taylor does a fantastic job. He really does. I mean, what pleases me about the launch of the X-Players is when I came up with the idea and I did it, um, I'd got something in my mind that I, I learnt when I worked in Fleet Street many years ago that Lord Northcliffe said to me, he used to own the Daily Mail back then, and uh, I got in a lift with him and I hadn't got a clue who he was. Not a clue. And um, he, said, he said, are you working here? I said, yes, I am. Um, so he said, oh, what are you doing? So I told him, oh, yes, I see. How are you getting on with the people? Okay. I said, he said, because I understand you're a bit different, aren't you? You're the lad from Buckinghamshire. I said, yes, that's right. How we knew that, I don't know. Oh, well, he said, all the locals, of course, all the Cockney boys, he said, you don't mind working them? I said, no, not so, whatsoever. He said, the thing about life, you know, he said, if you choose the right people and get the right people, it never goes wrong. And he just got out of the lift and went into his office. <laughs> and I never, ever forgot that. No, it's a fantastic story. Well, we must uh, congratulate you on your, on your birthday next week, and thank you so much for uh, sharing your uh, Wanderers 11 with us. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Alan Hutchison, who's the chairman of the Wickham Wanderers X Players Association, speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. <laughs> well, that was good, wasn't it? Our final part of the Wickham Wanderers show. Still to come, we'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield looking ahead to uh, the Easter fixtures. Uh, we'll also give you a bit of a preview for uh, Knowing Me, Knowing Blues. Aha! <laughs> what was that? Uh, still to come uh, with uh, TJ Debar as well, uh, as we... Uh, as we find out uh, what makes him tick. Among other things, you'll hear us do what he does uh, away from football. It's interesting opportunities, isn't it, to, to get uh, some, some uh, mind, uh, mind's eye view on Wickham Wanderers' first team players. Uh, but first, uh, we will continue to feature Wickham Wanderers' women. Uh, the first team, uh, their season has finished and the reserves and under 18s are still continuing. But uh, the first team players have some friendlies coming up uh, in the next month or so, and uh, we've taken the opportunity to speak to uh, striker Shantae Innes. I've been at Wickham Wanderers Women's, must be coming up to about 10 years now. I first joined when my daughter was one, and she'll be 10 this year, so yeah, coming up to 10 years. Because I guess as well, like fans will probably recognise your name, and, and if, they've, if, obviously if they've watched you play, uh, for, for your goals as well, you must be very pleased with your, your scoring record. Yeah, quite pleased with my scoring record. Last season, I got the golden boot. What would you say has been the key to your success? I'd say just being committed and obviously loving football as well. And you mentioned your daughter. She must be a great support to you because I know that often yeah. in, in photos she's there and she's at your games as well. Yeah, she's my number one supporter, my number <laughs> one fan. And you must notice as well, in the, in the, even in the 10 years, or, or perhaps even more recently, a real kind of increase in, in women's football generally uh, interest, but also fantastic to have, you know, obviously the, the, the club in Wickham and, and how that's progressed too. Yeah, obviously women's football has come a long way with the Lionesses winning last year. And obviously with the progression of the women's team, I'll say we've come a long way as well. We get um, a few of the supporters from the men's team come down and watch us. And we have a home game. Sometimes when we have an away game as well, they come down, travel and watch us play. And how are you enjoying being based at Burnham and, and training twice a week as well? Um, yeah, Burnham's really nice. It's nice facilities. Training twice a week is good because we were used to training once a week. Twice a week is, well, there's been progress. So, yeah, I think it's working quite well. 
What's that been like for you personally? Have you sort of taken to it quite well or has it taken some adjustment? Yeah, I've taken to it quite well, actually. Juggling it around work and obviously being a mum. No, absolutely. It must be quite challenging to kind of combine all three. Yeah, it is. But I get it done. Stay committed. No, absolutely. You must be so proud of, of, you know, being able to to kind of do that and, and, and what you do during the day as well. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. I'm proud. And what would you say sort of the impact that, that Carl and the coaching team has had on the team since they arrived? Um, I'd say they've had a quite big impact on the team. Obviously, we got we got to the semi-finals of the, the Cup. And obviously, with the new facilities that we've got at Burnham, new kit as well, more sponsors, I'd say, as well. And what about the reserves exactly. and the under-18s as well? Do you get a lot of, sort of them kind of asking you questions as well and kind of getting tips? Yeah, we do get, I think some of the under-18s and reserves, they actually help us out in our own games as well sometimes. So we all help each other out and support one another. And do you notice your own sort of personal development as well as the the season goes on and and as you say now that you're training twice a week as well? Yeah, I've seen a progression in myself. Yeah, Carl brought in these, they're like the GPS pods. So we'll get like our stats pulled up on like a training night and he'll discuss with us what what all the stats mean and what we're good at so yeah it's been yeah it's been a great season so how would you assess overall how the season's gone it's only obviously quite short because the number of uh, the amount of teams in the in the division but uh, has some of the opposition surprised you in a way or you know there's been some brilliant moments hasn't there where you fought back from you know four goals down at some times yeah i think we've played the majority of the teams in our league the seasons before, but I think we've progressed a lot since last season and the seasons before. Because I guess many of them have probably been quite surprised to see how you know different changes in, in your, your... Yeah, different teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, some of them are quite shocked. <laughs> and does it feel like for next season as well you'll, you'll be able to grow and be, come back even stronger? Yes, definitely, most definitely. And what would you say have been some of the highlights of, of this season? Obviously, I imagine playing at Adams Park in the FA Cup, that was quite special. Yeah, Ad- Adams Park was the... I think that was the best the best experience. Such a buzzing feeling to play at Adams Park. And really nice as well that, obviously, despite your league season being finished, that you're still, you know, you've are still got friendlies still to come that are being organised for, for the next couple of months as well. Yeah, yeah, and we're still training as well. So what what other things have sort of stood out for you this season? Has there been a particular game or a particular goal that you particularly remember? I'd say, obviously, the Adams Park match was a performance. I'd say the game against Bournemouth Sports in in the Cup. And what would you say would be the main message you'd like to get across to, to fans or going into next season as well about Wickham Wanderers women who perhaps haven't been along to see you before? I'd say to them, come along and support that yeah, it'll be good to see some, some more supporters next season. And what about for any uh, young women or, or girls who are listening who'd, who'd like to you know, perhaps get involved as well? I'd say go for it and enjoy it. Because it was a great advert, obviously, that you've been with, with the club for 10 years as well. Yeah, very long time. <laughs> Must be a very good place to be. Yeah, it is. 
I love it. Sometimes 10 years can go really quickly. Uh, Shantaine is speaking to us here at Wickham Sounds and uh, continued uh, following of Wickham Wanderers Women here on the Wickham Wanderers show. Uh, still to come, uh, we'll chat to uh, or hear from manager Matt Blomfield. But first, uh, a preview of this week's Know Me, Known Blues, which uh-huh. you can, can hear in full. Timing's everything, comedy. Uh, which you can hear uh, in full. When can they hear it? Uh, over the weekend. <clears throat> over the weekend. Happy Easter. With DJ Debar uh, taking on ducks and bears, although perhaps not necessarily in this clip. DJ, nice to see you. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. All good? Good. Uh, have you seen Knowing Me, Knowing Blues before? Yeah. You have. Good. So you're already doing better than Taff then. <laughs> um, so the fans have been sending in some questions for you. They're not all football related, okay? Some of them get quite weird. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah? Let's mm. jump straight in. This one's quite a juicy one, actually. <laughs> Who is the most famous person in your phone book? Wow. <laughs> Gotta be a confirmer. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. Um, What do you do in your spare time away from football? That's from Beverly. Um, Interesting. I do like to keep myself busy, so. um, Yeah, I just work a lot after football. Like to go to the cafeteria, sit on my own, get my own space, do some work on my laptop. What about your downtime? What do you do in your downtime? Do you like to read, watch a movie? Yeah, I'm a movie guy. Movie. What's I'm your favourite movie? movie? The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay, never seen it, but never I'm sure it. it's fantastic. It's, an old one. it's a good one. Uh, who good one. is the Gibraltarian you most look up to? Lee Casiero and Roy Cipollina. Two Gibraltarian legends. Legends. Very legends. good. Uh, Chris Cooper would like to know what do you think are the three best ever football boots? Oof. Interesting that. I'm not. So, I'm not someone that cares much about football boots okay so I've always like played with what I got yeah so I don't really know too much about football boots but you don't rely on the boots mm. you got the skill without them mm. <laughs> I would have to say Ronaldinho's boots okay the white and gold yeah but I th- I'm pretty sure he did the YouTube video on them and mm. was the first one to get a million likes nice we'll find some pictures of those yeah you gotta find them yeah we quality. will I, and I know that they're my brother's favourite boots okay and I do like Ronaldo Fenomeno. Yeah. The old Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. He's um, boots, the one that he wears across his neck. Mm-hmm. The Nike ones. So. Yeah, cool. And one more. No? Can't Just give two. You. Top two. That's <laughs> enough. That's a hard that. question. Three best ever Let's football go. boots. Can't give you that one. Okay, Philip would like to know which of your international teammates do you think would fit in the best at, at Wickham Wanderers? Wow. Wow. That's a good question. Depends what we're looking for. What we're looking for, like... Up to you, you choose. Creativity, defensive guy. I think Liam Walker. Liam Walker. Liam Walker has a lefty of a wand. Okay. And can find anyone, but so can Wingy, but... Okay, so Liam, Liam might be coming for you. Walker. Uh, Wickham Wanderers Gibraltar would like to know, aside from family and friends, what have you missed most since relocating from Gibraltar? Food. Food. What's your favourite food food to eat? Dabas. Love. So here in UK, very sorry to say, the tapas isn't the best. Okay, so we're going to have to so take I've a trip then. I've had to find some restaurants where there are some very nice tapas spots. Have you found a good tapas spot in Wickham? No. no. Okay, sorry about sorry. that, guys. Sorry, Wickham. <laughs> um, who would you... This is a good one. John Granville's long throw has said, who would you bite first if you were a mosquito? Jasper. Jasper. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Easy, Jasper. Why? Why Jasper? Jasper. 
just want to irritate him. Yeah, no, Jasper. Just, just that's Simple. it, Jasper. Jasper. Okay. <laughs> Andy would like to know what's your favourite cheese? Manchego. Manchego cheese. Good yeah. choice. Manchego with a little bit of ham, and then jamón ibérico. Okay. Perfect. Oh, lovely. Very yeah, nice. Breadsticks. Beautiful. Got a feast going on here. Yeah. Tapas. <laughs> Tapas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leo would like to know if you could fly, but only one meter off the ground. Or you could be invisible, but only for one minute. Which would you choose? Fly for one minute off the ground forever. So fly, I think, forever, but only one metre off the ground. Or be invisible, but only for one minute. Oh, I think I'd fly. I'd fly. Just hover everywhere. Fly, yeah, that's, yeah that's well fun. Wouldn't be tired. <laughs> What's the real show this is this week? Uh, TJ Dubai, you can hear more from him with No Meat, No Blues. Ah. Uh, <laughs> look out for the uh, full version uh, of that on uh, Wicked Wanderer's social media over the weekend. I think I've been crying. Uh, finally, uh, Phil's been chatting to Matt Bloomfield ahead of, uh, of course, the Good Friday trip to Ipswich and uh, Matt's former club, of course. It's a club that I grew up supporting. Uh, you know, I came through the system there, made one pro- appearance for the for the first team, which I was you know, extremely proud of. But I'm employed as a manager of this football club and I have to take the emotion out of it because we've got a job to do. We have to focus on that job um, and we can't get distracted by, by anything else. Uh, Team very much in form. Seven wins on the bounce. Uh, they look like they've fallen away from the top two, but they are now absolutely desperate for the three points as well, as were MK last week for different reasons. It's that time of year, isn't it? It most certainly is. I thought, um, you know, masterstroke by them with their recruitment in January. They obviously, you know, realised that they needed to strengthen at the top, top end of the pitch, and, and they did. Made some really good signings. Um, and so we know that they're, you know, obviously a, a good team in, in good form, but. You know, we've played really well recently. I thought the Barnsley game was a particularly good performance from us. We've had bits and pieces of other games where we feel like we've been in good form as well. And we have to keep putting those performances back to back and, and the results will follow. So, yeah, we know the strengths of Ipswich. And we also know the strengths of ourselves. We've been working on those this week and we have to be focused on, on the job in hand. You've talked about the performances and the chances created and stuff. It feels like there's a big result in the system. Wouldn't it be great if it was at Portman Road? Of course, yeah. I think we have to... We have to be uh, really focused on what we're doing, Phil. I think we have to try and not let outside noise or outside, um, you know, emotion of the situation get in our way. Of course, we have to. We can play on that emotion at times because it's an exciting spell for us as a football club and for us as a group. We're really excited by by what might happen over the next little while, but we have to keep those emotions in check and make sure we we prepare properly. And um, you know, we're we're looking forward to the game um, and we want to make sure we, we, we get good results for ourselves and our supporters because you know they've been following us in big numbers recently uh, as they have done for many years at this club and we want to make sure we give them something to shout about on Friday You mentioned the transfer window uh, this league has got everyone isn't it it's got the big guns it's got teams scrapping down the bottom on, on small budgets too uh, is there ever a, a, an envious glance at what Ipswich or Sheffield Wednesday can do in those windows? Most certainly not. Uh, absolutely not. I'm really proud of us as a football club. I think I'm lucky enough to have lived through some tougher times than this, where we <laughs> we literally didn't have any money to go and sign anybody, and, and you know we've always been scrapping around. We're, we're now in, you know, you know this is this is great times for us as a football club. You know, to be fighting at the top end of League One is is something that you know shouldn't be taken for granted because we know where we've been before. So most certainly not we're really proud of what we have in the building who we have in the building what we are as a football club and we have to retain those um, values um, and strengths because that's who we are and that's what we stand for so most certainly not um, I respect everything that you know Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich can they, those guys can go and do but you know we have to be really proud of what, what we can go and do and, and who we are and how we're going to approach the game I can't speak on behalf of Sheffield Wednesday or Ipswich but I'm sure they'd love a player like Josh Scullin 
in their team, but Wickham Wanderers have him in their side and they'll have him in their side next season as well. Great news this week. Yeah, incredible news. Um, you know, it's only last week at the uh, supporters evening that people were kept, kept reminding me that we needed to get him signed up. So those talks were already ongoing and, and we were obviously really pleased that he's committed his future here. Josh is, you know, a big player for this football club. Obviously, you know, came through the system here himself, went on to have a real good good career before he came back. Um, we feel like he's in his prime. We feel like he's, he's a massive influence by on and off the pitch. Um, you know, he doesn't take much managing. He, he gets on with his work. Um, he's self-motivated. He does what he needs to do. And, and we're really pleased that he's going to continue that career with us. And hot on the hills of Joe Jacobson, Josh Cohen, David Wheeler and Jack Grimmer as well. Uh, two other big important players to, to secure down for next season yeah big players and big personalities a big part of what's the fundamentals of our football club the team culture the team ethos you know those guys have been here through the last few years which we've had some really good success they know what it takes to be a Wickham Wanderers player and what, what we stand for so um, like I say I think that's really important business JJ um, Joshy Jack and Wills and we're, we're hoping to have some more news to announce soon well, hopefully uh, with Easter, with results as well, coming to announce those around. Back at home on Monday as well. Easter fixtures, a bit like Christmas. It's not a do or die for the season, but you could be in a much better place come next Tuesday. Of course, yeah. I think it's we have to be mindful of the fact that um, you can build these results up to be more than what they are, but also we don't want to downplay the importance of them. We know that it's an important weekend. We know that you know, obviously the next seven games can, can have massive, uh, massive effects for us and we have to make sure that we're ready for it. Um, we have to prepare physically and mentally for the, the task in hand and the excitement of the situation and, and make sure we're ready to go. So um, no, we've got an exciting weekend ahead and we're looking forward to it. Two games, one team at the top, one team very much at the bottom, but that team at the bottom did beat Sheffield Wednesday the other week, which I thought was a result that completely sums up League One. I was about to say the same thing, you know, it, it, it can sum it up, um, you know, I think especially at this time of year, maybe you get into those winter months and the form kind of does go with the top and the bottom, but as soon as you hit the spring, mate, I think you get some surprising results in terms of people at the top and the bottom and um, and I don't think you can underestimate uh, any challenge in this league. Um, it's a really competitive league and, and I think the results recently have showed that, so um, we need to be, make sure we're ready for, for every um, possibility, every eventuality and, and make sure we're ready for the challenges in front of us. We've spoken in the past about walking out the tunnel at Portman Road, a special place to you, but you're doing it now as a manager. Would that add any gravitas to that situation? I think it's, I think it's amazing for my family to come and, um, you know, they've supported me since I was, you know, 12 years old, joining the, the Centre of Excellence as it was at Ipswich, that then became the academy, and then, you know, through the highs and lows of a, of a, a long career here at Wickham Wanderers. Um, and so for those guys to, to be able to stand and watch, I hope they... They're proud and I hope they enjoy it. I know they will be. But for me, mate, um, I don't take any enjoyment unless we get a positive result. So all my focus and all my attention, all my energy has to be on making sure I do that because I'm uh, extremely proud to be manager of this football club and I want to do it the best I possibly can.